Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired. Kairos. Shazanga. Welcome to episode four of Shots Fired. Now, our special guests this week are Shayna Dobson and George St. Pierre. Before I go any further, I just wanted to say that if you head over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast, you will be able to leave a rating and a review. Now, you would have seen about, because I've been publicizing it, I would say, fairly widely over Twitter um, today that we've got some specially uh, made up bottles of shots fired. Basically what I did, I got two bottles of Maker's Mark and put our trademarked brand all over it. Now, we're actually giving those away to, basically, we're gonna pick from a select few who've actually left great comments and uh, great ratings on either Spotify or iTunes. I think it's now called Apple Podcast now, isn't it? Let me just get with the times instead of the old granddad uh, talking about iTunes. Um, so we're going to give away a couple of bottles of those. So all you have to do is just leave your mark on um, on our, uh, well, whatever, wherever you get this um, podcast. So without further ado, we always, as always, uh, bring something to the table by way of discussion and talking points. Kicking us off is G. What up? First and foremost, what up, fellas? How y'all doing? I'm blessed. I'm I'm great. My mama's just finished feeding me. I'm good. I'm what? content. I'm just so content. <laughs> so you in a good mood. Yep. What up, Kairos? What up, Mike? Hello. I'm good. I have to say that this, uh, this podcast just kind of like reminds me of one thing. I know I like handed it over to you and now I'm like taking back the mic, but this podcast was kind of like born out of the um, Black Panther um, movie in that seeing that unfold on screen just made me think, you know what, it's kind of possible. It's possible to have our own Wakanda in, um, well, over the airways, over a podcast. And that kind of like gave me the inspiration to, you know, have a chat between folks like ourselves because nothing like that existed so r.i.p chadwick boseman oh yeah yeah man that's that's sad and if i well i i got up to go to the bathroom the the, mo- the morning of that we we found out and my brother had sent a text to the group uh, to the group and i because i was disorientated i i thought i misread it and then i went to sleep like and then woke up an hour later and then just it, it just hit me that it was real man and that yeah. it's so young as well like 40 43 years old and for the man to to do everything that he did whilst battling with stage four uh cancer right. man it's it's i mean it's just a testament to to what a what a leader and what a man he was 
Yeah, like he also married his longtime girlfriend right before he died, I read. Mm -hmm. And I think he was based, you know, I think not only did he want to portray his image as much as he could because it was such an impact to African-American children, but I think also, too, he wanted to set his family up, too. Like he probably tried to work as much as he could, you know, knowing that. Yeah you know his time was coming and it's just so honorable you know just like what a what a wonderful guy yeah i mean he, he whilst he was receiving treatment he churned out some incredible movies i mean not only did he churn out black panther but i really enjoyed 21 bridges really enjoyed him yeah in that. and yeah. um i think it was get on up um the james brown story um you know he oh, churned out some one. serious material whilst he was actually going through obviously a hellish time so you know, it's a real sad um, state of affairs, and um, you know, I just wanted to give respect to him because of the inspiration that he's he's left and, and the legacy. I'm sure he's left not just for for us, but for other people who are aspiring to, you know, be that great. Yeah. Yeah, that's Amen. that's perfect. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. All right. So let me jump into my discussion for the week. Let me see, guys. I want to discuss with you the Dana White speech at the Republican convention and how that impacts UFC fighters and employees. And in this very speech, Dana White made it very clear that he supports the police and that he was against defunding them. He also referred to the nationwide racially motivated protests as lawlessness in this speech. And as I listened to Dana's speech, I said to myself, wow, like what, what if you work for Dana? You know what I mean? Or like, how does it feel that your boss's values and ideals do not like match with yours you know and i'm just Mm -hmm. like wow i wonder how that person feels and then you still need to work with your boss you you know yada 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 so i said to myself i'ma ask the fellas so today mike jasanga kairos you are a ufc fighter you work for dana white And you work closely for him. And what I mean closely, y'all, when you're a UFC fighter, it seems to me like you need something from Dana, whether you need that matchup, whether you want to be a late replacement and you blowing up his phone. I mean, even last night on the Contender Series, every time they won, they walked past his like partition and they had to say something to him. So he's kind of like that boss. You need something from him. So... All three of you are a UFC fighter, you are a black man, you work for Dana White, you watch that speech. How do you feel and what are you doing? And Mike, you go first. Well, I suppose it's like most employee-employer relationships. You've got to be diplomatic. You've got to know which um, is the appropriate and the right time to actually raise that and the setting in which to actually, you know, pipe up and to speak up. I would keep it 100. I would be real. I've always been in an employment situation where I feel with my employer, I can be open and honest, but it's choosing the right moment to keep it 100. So bringing it back to, you know, this whole situation with Dana, I would keep it 100, but I'll also be mindful of the fact that this is the guy who writes my check. So I'll be politely 100. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm in agreement with, with you there, Micah. And- whilst it, it's, it's very easy to, to let the emotions get the better of you. I'm sure there are plenty of UFC fighters who, uh, African-American UFC fighters in particular, who heard Dana's uh, description of the, of, of, of the protests and him basically encompassing those who are going out and committing these acts of, uh, of lordlessness. And he's just encompassed that in, in one, like it, as, as, as a blanket statement, and it would have infuriated yeah. them. And, I mean... If 
if, initially I wanted to tweet something about it, but I just thought to myself, nah, there, there's no point. I just, I, I don't want this aggro. So you can imagine how the African-American fighters or indeed anybody um, who opposes Donald Trump uh, in general would, would feel about it. So it's, it's difficult, but at the same time, there's a time and a place and how you, how you voice that. And I think also it, it's very easy for some people to just... Obviously, Dana White does align himself with Donald Trump. They've been friends long before he uh, he, right. he, he became uh, he became a, a politician or became he didn't even become a politician. He became the president straight away. Sorry. Um, so I think a lot of people are automatically linking him and then saying, "Oh yeah, Dana holds these racist ass views as as well or or what have you." And I mean, I I don't get that vibe from Dana White. I, I most certainly don't get that vibe from him. But I understand why he hasn't come out and condemned his boy because obviously that is <laughs> that, that that's the, that's the president of the United States. Right. And not to mention, I don't know if you guys saw uh, saw the piece that Kareem Zidane released on on Wednesday afternoon, I do believe, where he um, he, he basically talked about the the surge in uh, new UFC fans coming from uh, conservative backgrounds or coming from, yes. from 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 the right wing. So I think Dana is no doubt aware of that, and he doesn't want to rock the boat because I mean during this time of the coronavirus and pandemic i mean every espn subscriber that you get and all the uh the subsequent revenue that you get from a new subscriber and every fan that you get watching your ufc events uh especially the the most recent ufc events because they haven't been blockbuster cards that's a huge bonus so i'm sure that's probably gone into his thought process when if he has wrestled the thought of uh coming out and condemning anything donald trump has said I think that a lot of people shouldn't be surprised, though. If you are black and mm-hmm. you have ha- had a job in America, this should not surprise you one bit, if and. Facts. Like, I don't know what. Everybody's like, can you believe he said that? Yes, I can believe he said that. There's a million people who <laughs> own businesses and work in places above you who think and act just like that. You are kidding yourself right now if you think that's not the case. I'll give you an example right now. Apple is pr- considered one of the more progressive businesses across the world in terms of everything. They lead the charge with everything. But if you really want me to sit here and say that every single higher up who has to tell people it's okay to wear Black Lives Matter t-shirts to work actually is okay with that, you're out of your damn mind. You know dang well. <laughs> They're in there clawing on chalkboards in the background like, these motherfuckers making us wear Like, they are upset. <laughs> they are they gotta be pissed. And another thing that makes me like a little bit, I'm, I'm just so surprised that people are, I, I don't want to say upset, by his stance with him bringing politics into this when everyone always says oh don't bring politics into mma unless they're my politics i'm not saying that people shouldn't be upset about it but i'm just saying historically guys like this is nothing new we talk about the cfo Mm. and the ceo of papa john's laying off everyone who had obama bumper stickers on their car as soon as he got reelected. like bro like (laughs) at least dana white didn't say all right listen if you're black (laughs) or you like anything black (laughs) we're firing you like at least he didn't go that route yeah yeah, I, d- I think I agree with everybody here, like especially with Cairo saying that, you know, this is this ain't nothing new, you know, <laughs> especially yeah. for, for African-Americans or, you know, black people in general. Like how many times have we worked someplace where their ideals don't match our own or that we often feel alienated or ostracized? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think, 
you know, even though I'm bringing this discussion to the table, I know myself there are plenty of those employees that are just like, it is what it is and just got to keep it pushing and not take it personal. And also, I'm sure a lot of fighters, too, are dealing with Dana on a one-to-one basis, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, when we had Macy Chiesa on, on, on the show, she definitely had, like, a good rapport with him, even though she supports, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and her yeah. ideals lean to the left, you know? So, and it's not just also about, like, black people, too. You know, there are white people and all types of people that support that whose um, ideals don't align with Dana's as well, you know? Yeah. So it's important to point that out out as well but the show must go on and I think as long as people are professional and respectful we all kind of do have to get along with people whose politics or ideas don't necessarily get along you know mm, yeah so. okay, but I'm, I'm just waiting until we get uh, an African-American UFC fighter who I won't say the word who turns out to be a C double letter N and is They're a Donald Trump there. supporter I, I can't wait to see oh I, can't, I can't wait to see the uh, the back and forth on MMA Twitter because of that. Oh my god, that would be a that'd be something to behold. Oh, that would be wild if we <laughs> <laughs> that, if we get like a Herman Cain or like a Black Kobe Covington. That would be insane. That would like be the worst Maga thing fighter. to happen to black people in MMA ever. That would be the, yeah. most, the worst. Like, every to single argument too. Like, he's black and he supports it. Why don't you? Like, oh my god, I wouldn't say yeah. anything. I would act like he didn't exist until we talked about him on the podcast. But on my page, I'd have to be like, I don't even want this battle. Like, <laughs> no way. Yeah, we don't need that coonery around here uh, exactly. god damn it you've lowered the i'm tone not defending it i'm not arguing nobody i'm gonna say it no if you, i don't care if you're a coon you're a coon i'm calling it out i don't care facts yeah <laughs> okay. it's funny you mentioned coons because um <laughs> sorry after we actually come back from the interview that we did with shana dobson i wanted to jump in with my two pen of what i wanted to bring to the table and um the word coon does come up quite a lot so I think it's time we segued into Shanna Dobson's interview that myself and G conducted earlier this week. I have to say, we're going to have to give you your dues, Shanna. Shanna Dobson, Shanna the Danger Dobson. I think, you know, a few barks are in order. I think um, <laughs> given what you did in your last outing where you were the underdog, it's a pleasure to welcome you to this week's episode, Shanna Dobson. Thanks for having me, guys. I, I appreciate a small bark because I got my wisdom teeth, all four of my wisdom teeth taken out on Friday, so I'll Ooh. give you a little puppy bark, maybe a little woof, woof, woof or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got in me after after that. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I know you were talking about your, uh, your wisdom teeth being taken out, but you know something? I think full disclosure here. I was one of those who was actually betting against you. I was one of those who'd actually backed the wrong horse. And damn, it was incredible to see you prove me wrong. I mean, just talking about that, in terms of pain, what was greater in terms of pain? Having all four wisdom teeth um, taken out or seeing that people had actually bet against you and actually put you down as the underdog and you actually have actually made history I mean you're what you're plus 800 um, where the odds were concerned and you broke records in terms of how many people you proved wrong and um, the underdog that you were but what was more painful um so yeah, the wisdom teeth, that was pretty painful. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? 
I saw the betting odds. I think it was more than plus 800 at the closing of the night, like before the fight. I saw the wow. betting odds uh, before, uh, like the week before we left for fight week. And, uh, you know, I've been working with my, my head coach, Sean Madden, a lot on, on my mental game, which I think is c- crazy important, especially in this sport. And, you know, I, I, felt, I felt like all the mental preparation that we've been doing and all the mental strength that I had coming into this fight, it didn't, it didn't phase me as much as it might have previously. Um, you know, I've been, I have a lot, I have a lot of strikes against me. I'm a black you know, queer female, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have a lot of strikes against me. So, so that's, that's nothing new to me. Um, you know, being doubted or, or, or being seen at face value, but we knew the work that we were putting in for this camp. We knew the work we were putting in before this camp. Um, and we knew we were just, that was even more fuel. My coach just said, you know, we're just going to shock the world even more Mm. with that. Mm. See, see, I, I hear that. And, you know, seeing as though you, you bring up the LGBTQTI aspect of, of your life, I notice you also repping a Jamaica flag. How, how difficult is it? Um, I mean, have you been back to Jamaica? Have you been to Jamaica at all? Yeah, I've been to Jamaica a couple times. Um, so, so how do you deal and, with, you know, the aspect that, you know, they are very, very um, homophobic in Jamaica? Homophobic over there. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's mm-hmm. true. It's, um, you know, it's hard because, you know, that is my heritage. Those, those are my parents. I was born and raised. I'm not born in. I was born um, into the culture. I was born uh, here in America, but my parents were born and raised in Jamaica. So it's hard. Um but at the same time, you know, there are many great things about the Jamaican culture, such as the unity, the love and the peace. And, and you know, I just I, I love and embrace the culture. It's it's a part of who I am, a part of what I know. Um, and, you know, there there's a lot of there's a big representation of LGBTQ people in Jamaica as well. And my my it, main yes. goal is to is to rep for them. You know what I mean? Like make. Let them be visible. Yeah, and and that's if I could do that, that's awesome for me. And and just one more before I um, first of all get it back on track in terms of um, sure. fight and fight narrative and fight questions. But I'm quite intrigued by your take on this. Adele was catching a lot of flack, um, particularly from <laughs> African Americans, for cultural uh, appropriation. What was your take on her whole? Um, oh, well, t- hairstyle hair and, and rocking the whole Jamaican flag um, across her chest. Oh, poor, poor Adele. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't believe in culture appropriation, but I know that, you know, it's hard. It's sometimes it's hard not to do because there's so many aspects of different cultures everywhere. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's difficult. Um, I mean, you know, I thought she looked cute. I don't know. Yeah, it, it looked like she was having fun to me. Yeah. So, I thought you know, she, do I thought thing. She, exactly. She's a great exactly. singer, a great she, entertainer. She was just having fun. And she didn't really see. I just seen the memes. The internet is relentless, you know. Yeah. It's impossible to have to see the memes. It's oh, unforgiving. Was she in Jamaica? What's that? No, I no, think she, I think was, she at was at some festival, festival right, Mike? Right, Mike? Do you know the background? Background? See, the picture looked as though she was uh, 
getting ready for her backyard carnival because over in the UK carnival <laughs> is uh, is is not happened and it won't be happening and it it, it will not be happening. But yeah. I think what she was doing there was um, kind of like having her own mini carnival. Whether she was in Jamaica or not, that I couldn't tell you. But I can definitely tell you she wasn't at carnival. I mean, myself from Jamaican heritage, I wasn't um, offended at all. I just thought, you know. As right. you'll know yourself, Shana, as a as a as a people, as as a as a nation, we're very welcoming, and particularly yeah. of those outside the culture. So I thought it's fantastic that she was, you know, repping it in such a I thought respectful way. But you know, yeah, getting things back on track in terms of um, questioning and like um, getting back to the fight questions. I'm gonna um, segue into G, who usually has the the more intelligent questions when it comes to fights. <laughs> no, actually, I had more questions about like that mental preparation you were talking about because that like jumped out to me. What exactly do you do to prepare for a fight, and especially like that when you're kind of like on skid row a little bit with the losses that you've had? How do you how do you prepare? Sure, you know it's um, it's hard, you know, because the the physical part is already in your your body. You have to cut weight you know you have to do strength and conditioning you have to sharpen your skills you have to learn new skills and implement new skills to cater to your opponent um and on top of that you know you got to battle with this you know fighting on the big stage like this you got to battle um you know the 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 haters people saying this and saying that and having input and um you know and and mma fans are are abusive. A lot of there are a lot of mm-hmm. awesome oh, fans out there. Do you I don't say? Know. I think it's like MMA and hockey. They have a mm-hmm. they have a lot of. Uh, I've met virtually like, and in person, some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Some of the sweetest, most beautiful people through mm-hmm. my career from them following me and being fans. But some of the stuff I I read mm-hmm. online, I'm just like, oh sheesh. But I was kind of prepared for that because Eddie Alvarez after the Ultimate Fighter told us like you know some of these fans are cutthroat so just be ready for anything um but you know in order to prepare for you know the mental game it was pretty much just reminding myself you know that i'm ready and i'm okay and focus on the journey focus on the journey and not so much the outcome a lot of fighters you know they they think like i gotta win i gotta win i gotta win i gotta win you know um you just got to get in there and trust yourself, trust your body, trust your mind, trust your coaches and your training. And that's what I did. That is awesome. Were you were you worried about getting like the infamous pink slip from the UFC? Because I remember when they were promoting this, you know, a lot of people were talking about the skid and the possibility of that. Did that did that worry you at all or did that something you had to just push out of your mind? Yeah, I really had to just except i'm a b- big believer i'm i'm just like a i guess you would say a modern day hippie you know i <laughs> i believe in i believe in energy positive energy and keeping positive energy within you and around you i believe in fate mm-hmm. and you know I, I could even say that the three losses that i had took me to that night in there with maria you know, maybe yeah. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to fight Maria. Maybe I have, wouldn't have had the opportunity to make history. You know, uh, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And, yeah. you know, you've seen you've seen fighters come off losses and, and they go through things. And I had to make sure that I position myself in the right gym at the right camp 
and when when I did that, you know, I just knew it. I knew like, you know, okay, this is where I get to prove who I am and and show what I can do and and now th- we're just getting started. That's that's as far as I see it. Yeah. You sound good. You sound motivated. I like how you sound. Good. And also what else stuck out to me was black queer female because guess what? So am I. And because of that, <laughs> yes, and because of that, high five. And I'm African American, right? And and MMA Twitter, is she ready for this, Mike? I don't think they, she's ready for it. No. Yeah, take I hope you're you know, you're seated. MMA Twitter, the online fans think that you are my um, doppelganger. They think me and you look just alike. I have a face. And <laughs> yes, you need pictures. Yes, you need you need to follow me. Yes, because now when you fight, MMA Twitter hits up my mentions and people give me advice on what's going on. They're cheering me on. They're like, "Yo, that when, is hilarious." And let me tell you something. Wait, but they, but I, they hit me up and as and when Angela Hill is about to fight, they've hit me up. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like. Bro, that's that's the other black girl. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I always tell Mike, I'm like, I don't think we look alike, but I see the similarities in the haircut and also that I'm black queer and we have the same complexion. And I went with it, but because I went with it, now every time you fight, I'm a nervous wreck and everyone blows up my mentions like it's me fighting and now I'm at home screaming. Like when you won? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're in there fighting together. Exactly. Let me and just all jump because in of there. damn MMA I, I think, Twitter. I, I, I I think that, that G, is, G is being very, very understated in talking about the actual <laughs> relation that you two actually look alike. You've got the same cute smile, you've got the same beautiful face, got the same brown skin. Uh-huh. I have to say the same kind of like attractive outlet. I think that she's kind of like understating go. this. So let me just put that <laughs> out there. Well, we got we to gotta get something going <laughs> on Mike. there. We got to have like a show, get a show or something like that. Yeah. I definitely need the selfie for the profile pic because the go. way they drive me crazy. But I was really, really proud of you. And I'm really happy that they got me into you because it's like now I'm just like really following your career. And I, every fight now, I'm just holding on to the edge. So I'm, I, was, I loved your performance and it was wonderful. Mike, we got time for one more because I know um, you're in a rush. I, I was about to say, um, if, if we could squeeze in just a couple more, I mean, what I was going to ask was, circling back to Maria Agapova, um, we've paid you quite a few compliments right now. And, you know, I have to say that they have been um, definitely overdue. But uh, Maria Agapova wasn't so complimentary. I just wondered where that whole beef stemmed from she was very very vehement and very very venomous when she was talking about the fact that she called you out she wanted you she actually um Mm -hmm. thought that she was going to tear you up in there where did that venom come from she was coming at you with such vim yeah um i i had i was watching that card live when she called me out and i had stepped away from the tv and people were hitting me up like hey hey maria called you out and i was like what and i was like okay i'm not surprised um, because they had offered me that fight. It was like a two weeks notice. And I was like, this was at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And, you know, I was like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do that. I haven't, my, all of my teammates are either out of town or have COVID or in quarantine. My coaches, I haven't seen my coaches. I haven't had access to my gym. You know, this is my career. You know, this isn't just some backyard fighting, you know, BS. So I had to be smart about it. And especially, you know, I had to be 
intelligent and strategic because I knew that my next fight, it had to be it had to be my performance that I showed why I deserve to be here. Um, I had no I had no issue going in and and uh, fighting Maria. I knew that I have fought tough competition. I know that I've I've uh, fought vets, I've fought champions. Um, you know, I I take nothing away from her. The fact that she she came out there, she put on a great performance. Um, against her previous opponents and you know she had a lot of hype coming in but you know at the same time I was like hey, come on y'all I've, I've been doing this way too long for y'all not to respect me and you know she wanted it she wanted the fight um, you know if if she came out fast she came out slow the op- the the outcome was going to be the same I was going to get in there I was going to you know show what I do I was going to put that you know that grown woman power on her and, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened you know, just before I pass you back to G, I've just got one more question. Now, Daniel Cormier, um, in the last couple of days, was talking about the fact that he had to unpack why he was a company man. And at the heart of it was, behind the scenes, Dana White, and in particular, um, you know, the Fittitas had been incredibly generous to him and uh, had given him off the book, well, um, yeah. behind the scenes payments. Now, to what, to a certain extent, um, that's got a lot of people torn because if there was more emphasis on fighter pay and paying fighters across the board correctly yeah. and um, what they were due, then there would be no need and, and not such a reliance on, on the bonus, first of all, that you got. But secondly, yeah. these discretionary bonuses which happen behind the scenes. So I just wondered your take. Do you believe that... Daniel Cormier is right when he says that, look, the UFC, they look after you. They look after you behind the scenes. Or are you with, you know, the majority of the fighters who say, look, just pay us all correctly? Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think that with any sport or any major organization, there's there's politics to it. You know, Daniel Cormier is a huge draw. Um, Therefore, yeah, he probably deserves to be paid a little bit more, um, you know, and um, I think that the opportunities that we get to receive bonuses, I mean, I, I, I've always thought that was pretty cool. I, I'm going to tell you, like, when I first got into the UFC, I was very naive. I was, when I was on the Ultimate Fighter, I was like, do we get, like, an annual salary or how does this work? Like, you know, it's like, do we start getting paid? Is it, like, bi-weekly or how does it work? And, you know, when I heard it was, you know, her fight, I was like, wow, you know, um, the amount of hours that we put in, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, yeah. uh, it, it, it's not, it's not equivalent. It's not equivalent, but the direction that the UFC is going, I think that they'll be able to get up there with the NFL and the, and the MLB and the NHL and all these major sports organizations where they have the money to pay their, their, they're uh, athletes like that, um, you know, and I feel like that, you know, once that happens and, and once uh, the, the UFC has and, and these major MMA organizations have respect under them, you know, from from the public, then then uh, we'll see the trickle down. I hope so. I, I really hope so. So. OK, I'm going to leave you in the hands uh, in, for the closing questions uh, for your twin. Uh, G here. What up, yo? I was just gonna poke and prod about you know just a couple days ago Donald, um, excuse me, um, Dana White spoke at the Republican National Convention, and I think like it's safe to assume that um, 
you know, you know what's going on in the world and you know what's going on with the unrest and also with the, the movement with defunding the police. How does it feel to hear like your boss or an organization you work for kind of support those ideals in a divisive president? It's tough because, you know, it's actually, it's not tough. Um, we have differences of opinion. Uh, a lot of the fighters feel one way. A lot of the fighters feel another way. I've trained with, I've trained with and, and been uh, close to and, and been actually friends with people who have, who have different political views as me and different core values as me. You know, you if you if you come together on what you agree on and what you have in common and what you are passionate about that um that a healthy relationship can be sustained you know um i i I feel like you know he's he has a right to have his own his own political stance and his own his own uh values and i have mine and and you know it's not like dana white's like oh all of my fighters need to think this way or vote that way and, and, you know, I, I, I guess I could say I appreciate that. Right. So it's like he keeps it, he maintains some type of professionality as far as working with you all and, and having different ideals from you. So that sounds pretty good. Yeah. And also, what advice would you have for me? Because um, do you have a lot of hate in your mentions as far as maybe because you're a black queer female or just that you're a woman or that's, you know, now that you've won this fight, maybe you have even more critics. What do you say to me or somebody else that kind of has a lot of, you know, like hate in their mentions and just a lot of harsh critics? What do you what do you do for that if that happens to you? Yeah, for sure. I've I've heard it all. I've heard I look like a lot of these uh, rappers with with dreads, with Oh yeah. oh yeah small the medium like dreads out here that i i look like a rapper or you know just really ignorant things i've you know but i don't know all i can do is just laugh and look at what what i have like you know i have a ha- i have a great life i get to do what i love on, on in and out the cage you know i have i have a loving and supportive family and people that support me and love me and i have and for every one of those negative comments you know i have 20 positive things that people send me or say to me or yes, yes. Uh, yeah, you know true, true. so i try to focus on and give my attention to them like one it was it was i was just like a random uh, uh a fan that i had a couple months ago and he was just he was just like uh you know hi how are you doing today or something nice something positive so i was like what's your name like i and i started interacting with them and then i just sent him like a like a little care like a ufc package like with some autograph oh, stuff, so just, so you know, just just because, you know, I want to give attention to the positivity. And maybe maybe if maybe these people that are saying negative things that are obviously attention seeking, maybe if they got, you know, if they said things that were more positive, they would receive, you know, a positive response. Maybe that's, you know, that's I guess that's my thinking is maybe they can learn from that. But I again, I'm, I'm a counseling major, so I'm always thinking about oh, how nice. people think and, you know, stuff like that. So. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Oh. Well, that's, that's it on my end, Mike. Well, that sounds like a wrap. I have to say, thank you so much for sparing the time, Shano. I know you yes, are hellishly yes. busy, and I really hope that you heal up soon with those uh, two wisdom teeth, because it would be great to see you back in the cage. You know something? I'm going to play matchmaker here. I know I said it was going to be the last question, but I'm going to play yes. matchmaker here. I'd love to see you back in action against Rachel Ostovich. How do you feel about that? <laughs> 
Uh, I'm cool with that. Yeah, we were supposed to fight. I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. You know, whatever my coaches think is best, and uh, that's what I'm gonna go with. Um, you know, I trust my coaches a lot. I put, you know, I put a lot of trust in them. So, but I'd, I'd love, I'd love to get in there with Rachel. And uh, that's, that's actually, she's a good friend of mine. Um, I know that, I know that, I know she loves to get down. I love to get down. So, you know, <laughs> to me, when we get in there and fight, it's all respect. Nice. I respect, nice. I respect all of my past opponents. I respect Mariah when she, Maria when she called me out. I, I, she gained a little bit more respect for me when she did that. So, that I'm, I'm down for that. So you have no issue fighting a friend either. Like it's just all respect. We do it every day in the gym. So yes, yeah, that makes sense. sense. Incredible. Well, Shana, I hope that I've spoken that into existence now. I really want to see that. And uh, thank you again for your time. It's been incredible um, speaking with you. Uh, It's been great, guys. Thank you so much. I I love talking with you guys too. Boom, we're back. So you probably would have guessed where I'm going with this in terms of what I'm bringing to the table this week. Daniel Cormier um, (laughs) surfaced after his loss. Um, Now, the thing about this whole kind of statement was this was the first time that we kind of got it crystal clear, 100% bona fide from the horse's mouth. It was the bit in the interview where, I suppose it, it was more of a discussion, it was a chat he was having with his co-host, um, Eri Hawani, earlier this week. Daniel Cormier talked about, you know, why it appeared as though he'd been very quiet on fighter pay and why it appeared as though... Um, he wasn't actually sticking up for fighters who, you know, were going through some tumultuous times in terms of how they were being dealt with. And again, to reiterate what we discussed in the interview with Shana Dobson, it was to do with the fact that he was taken care of. He was actually um, sorted out behind the scenes and, um, you know, to the tune of a million dollars each time that he was sorted out. And as I listened to this man, the word coon and coonery did come to mind because when you think about it, yeah. I'm going to be real here. When <laughs> oh, you think shit. about it, it's okay for the house Negro, the coon in the house to be taken care of. But how about the field Negroes? It <coughs> likened or it, it made me think about the speech that Malcolm X gave that way back in slavery times, that's how there was this divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. You had the slave in the field who was working really hard and you had the um, more, uh, how can I put it, Um, closer to the massa Mm -hmm. in the house. He had all of the accoutrements that he'd wanted. He had the better food. There was no hog mogs and chitlins for Mm -hmm. the house Negro. He was eating sirloin steak. So it kind of like made me fast forward to 2020. Here we have, in my mind, to my mind, a coon who is in the house, aligned just like Stephen from Django Unchained. I knew uh, you were going to say that. Next oh, no. I'm going to be real. Again, I'm going to keep it 100. Next to, you know, the massa saying, is we sick, boss? Is we sick? And it made me kind of- going to sleep in a big house? <laughs> oh my god. It made me it made me wretch in my mouth when he said I've been pretty well taken care of. I've been looked after by the UFC because all of that came full circle. Now I'm not saying 
for a second that Daniel Cormier has the mentality of a slave, but he's giving off that vibe of house Negro, field Negro mentality. It's okay for him because he's been looked after, but what about all those people in the field, those people who have been crying out for support from those people who have been recompensed, those people who have been well paid? And what I wanted to say, quick, fast and hurry, before I continue to hog the the table and um, the discussion was, am I being out of order in likening Daniel Cormier to a coon? Am I being out of order to liken Daniel or likening uh, Daniel Cormier, Cormier to a house Negro? Because it seemed pretty evident that he was very close to those people in the house. Mm-hmm. And he was very close for the simple fact that he was taken care of. And he was underlining that as the reason why he did not speak up. They've been good to him, is what he said many times in that interview. So again, I always ask you this, rein me in. Am I wrong to be calling Daniel Cormier Daniel Cunier? No. No, <laughs> oh, you are right. Look, you know what? I'm glad oh. you did this. I am glad. Here's the issue, though. You put, you said it earlier. You said, he is he a slave? And I feel like he is a slave to his own gratitude to the company for what they have done for him in the past, what, have they, what they have done for him in the present, and what they are going mm-hmm. to do in the future for him. So, yes, in that mm-hmm. essence, yes, he is a slave. Just like a lot of the black athletes in the UFC are. More so the rich ones at the top. I'm not really trying to call out people like mid to low tier because that's not the case. They aren't being taken care of like everybody else. They're they're in the right. trenches. Mm-hmm. Just like, mm-hmm. But I'm telling you this yeah. right now. The UFC has been around since what, 93? Over 25 years. I'm so. around. Yeah, let's just say 93. Let's just say 93 for argument's sake. Give it, or take, it. yeah. Okay, how many times has any black person ever brought up the fact that we don't hear anything about Black History Month in the month of February, even though we put events in the month of February? How how many times have we heard anything about that? None. I've counted zero. I've right. never heard. I have never, never. I have never heard any black athlete in the UFC talk about that. Ever. And if there's anybody who could talk about it and get away with it, probably be Daniel Cormier. People people would shoot John Jones in his head if he ever tried to bring it up. They'd just be like, oh, car accident. Oh, you did this. Oh, don't talk about black rights. You did that. Da, 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 da. They would tear him to shreds. But Daniel Cormier is an amazing person, a family man, a person who I look up to a lot. But I don't turn a blind eye to when you're silent either. And him and a lot of guys are silent. And I can't say a lot of women because there aren't a lot of black women in the UFC, but you get my drift though. I guarantee you this, Hakeem Daudu, Sadiq Yusuf, those guys, they ever brought that to the table, you wouldn't be hearing from them as much after that. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Uh, well, I, 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 I'm, I'm a bit torn. Well, I wasn't expecting you to go so hard in the paint and call him Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite Daniel, off guard too. Yeah, that, 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 that's kind of throwing me. Like, look, I... I understand why I understand his stance and why he hasn't come out and and spoken about fighter pay because obviously he'd be perceived to be a hypocrite because no no doubt if that if that was the case if uh, even if he just sent out a tweet supporting Jorge Masvidal or or whatever and then he uh, Dana White was asked about it or Daniel support for um, for supporting fighters for getting better pay Dana I think. I think we I think we could safely say this. Dana would out him for the fact of saying, Yeah, after he got knocked out by John Jones, we paid him a million dollars. So I can 
you, you guys can you you can see a scenario where that would happen, right? Where he'd yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, so, it happened mm-hmm. to Cowboy Cerrone when he supported him, and then after Cowboy Cerrone came back from the the, the Fighters Association meeting, Dana made it quick, fast, in a hurry. Oh yeah, uh, of course, I remember that. Outing him. The issue yeah. with the, there was something that happened. Was he on a boat or something? And he had to That's pay right. him like a hundred thousand. Yep. He had to borrow a hundred grand from Dana. That's right. Look, I'd I'd love for Daniel Cormier to um to, to speak out about more of these issues, but I think that that well that million dollars that 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 he got given on on top of the I think it was five hundred thousand he got paid flat for it. I think that has kind of clouded his judgment. So uh, well, I, I think that's 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 a nice way of putting it. Yeah, clouded his judgment and made him made him more as what Chris Cyber called him. Called him uh, she called him a comfy man. I, I don't know if that's verbatim or whatever because I know she deleted the tweet. I can't I can't get it up right now. But um, yeah, I, uh, I'm, again I'm I'm a bit t- taken aback by this because I'd uh, I'd never ever thought of Daniel Cormier being that um the ha- the house n word as 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 you call him like i i i i don't think i don't think he is but now that you mention it like you wonder why he isn't piped up on so many so many other issues or what have you it's i i think maybe it's a case of obviously look daniel knows that well obviously he he got into the ufc he was he was into it he was into his 30s anyway he knew that mm. right I, I don't have that much time left uh, left, left at the top of the sport. This is the biggest promotion in the world. This is where I'm going to make the most money for for my family. I need to, I, I need to ma- maximize. Uh, I need to maximize the amount of money that I'm going to get in this amount of time. And biting the hand that feeds you is not the way to go about it. So, whilst I would like him to, and and and, and any other fighter in any other privileged fighter, it doesn't have to be Daniel Cormier or any other black fighter or just like I'd I'd like Conor McGregor to speak up about fighter pay. I mean, how how much of a of a image of unity and strength we would project if he was to speak up and say my colleagues aren't paid enough. We need to we need to uh, we need to ensure that they're better taken care of. But at the at the same time, as I was saying, I've. I don't necessarily begrudge Daniel because he has his own family to look after and at the end of the day that's all he cares about and this is a very individual sport people we know this like I mean as the uh, as, as Kyra said when we brought up the the uh, the MMA union I've even forgotten its name now because it's been so long and like it just it, it was here and gone in a flash I mean I think envelopes were uh, were slid and that just highlights how much of an individual sport this is. Um, I think Mike is just using a different term than Chris Cyborg. I think we're all just saying the same thing, you know. I think, <laughs> you know, what I mean, like I think, I think Mike is black, so he chose the word "cool," and I think um, Chris Cyborg called him a kiss ass, and I agree with both. Yeah. I just think that, like. He had a position of influence. He had a small position of power, and he chose to kiss Dana's ass. And he didn't speak about anything. Mike, you know, Mike Perry using the the N word. Angela Hill had to speak up again, you know, about yeah. Bobby Bobby Green has spoken up against um, Cowboy using the N word. Aljo has um, he last um, fight Aljo had he alluded to like the social unrest in the street and just tried to get us all to get along. Like he tried, Mm, you know, like. There are just certain things you can see that in other African-American fighters that they're doing, and Daniel didn't do a damn thing. And not only that, he was taking money under the table and making sure he was set, but never spoke about 
anything, not fighter's pay, not the N-word, not any, any, anything, and not, not, he didn't have Tyron's back when Tyron was going through things, and he doesn't really just support anybody, and I understand that he needs to look out for himself, but at the same time, I'm like Kairos, I also noticed that she didn't do a damn thing for nobody, so I, I don't have a problem with calling him a kiss-ass or a coon, because I think it is what it is. Yeah, it, it's very difficult, though, like, and, and, and it's a true measure of a person to make themselves a martyr when they've got a lot on the line if you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean it's it, it's a situation that I'm, I'm sure we hope we don't ever have to find ourselves in where we have to sacrifice our potential livelihoods or but or, Ch- chisanga i don't mean to interrupt you but mm-hmm. my i see your point but i think it's because he never said a damn thing about anything he didn't yeah. have to yeah. be like a martyr he didn't have to be like they need to get paid more pick something like we never heard him just take a stance on anything we've never been like you heard what daniel cormier said that's right no he just was a cheerleader that's why i don't like kind of agree with what you're saying because it's like you can push the envelope a little bit and still Mm -hmm. be a company man look at masvidal he went out there and he he was like i want to get paid more money and yada and he got that money did he use it to help the other fighters no but you (laughs) saw how he knows when not to be a company man he knows when to be obnoxious and and be like i want the money and then when that leverage came he did it but I'm, I am a, I am a little sad he didn't you really use that to help the other fighters but <laughs> sorry I'm just laughing because I just refreshed my Twitter and lo and behold DC has just tweeted a picture of him on a, well, a video of him in a golf course <laughs> retirement DC swinging clubs baby this game is so fun blah 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 blah. I'm <laughs> oh wow already getting better par 3 158 yards 8 iron on the green law and just DC living his best life dad bod or what have you I mean yeah he's, that says it all uh, come on now come on now also how happy this, are you if you're already brag you just retired two days ago and now you're posting you know i'm the person that's like you're probably bored already if you have to show us that you're dad bod and you know i don't believe tweets like that sometimes you're probably already missing the fight game <laughs> you know the, the one thing that's missing from this whole um feedback and like the whole um debate and argument is that not one person here has talked about merit based performance because Mm -hmm. that's the counter argument to what we've all been talking about that we are looking at those people who are rewarded and rewarded on the sly on the quiet in the back rooms because of the merit that is, is is placed upon them you are being given this because of your performance no, it's the divide and rule. I tell you why. Look at Leon Edwards. Now that is someone who deserves some merit-based yeah. performance pay. No. Now we know how much he got the last time he was supposed to have swung hands, and that ain't merit-based performance pay. The thing is this: if you read, um, I think it's by Sheikh uh, Diop, it talks about the psychological uh, chains of slavery. That's the title of the novel. Mm-hmm. Now, essentially. What these tropes display are the classic symbols of divide and rule in slavery time. You're talking about exalting someone to a position where they are all right, they are in the big house, they are getting the good food. But then you keep that sort of divisive technique and those tropes which we keep on hearing about, low pay, um, being passed over, um, oh, well, you're not getting the title shot because of this, that and the third. And that keeps everybody basically inward looking and it's all about me. It's not about us. So 
all of those tropes which they used in those times just seem to be manifesting themselves now. Just seems yeah. ever mm-hmm. so slightly odd. No, yeah, I, 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 I see that point. It's, it's very easy to reward a few fighters, well, the ones who haven't received the, the, the bonuses of each night, and then you get in their good graces and what have you, and then when their colleagues find out that, oh, so-and-so got a bonus for this performance, it wasn't an official bonus, and then they'll be like, oh, damn it, what do I need to do to get that, or what have you. Thank so, you. Yep. And that type of environment cultivates Daniel Cormier's. You know, that makes everybody ruthless, you know? Bonuses under the table. You you know, your fight yeah. doesn't get scraped, but, you know, Masvidal's doesn't. You know, that just... that cultivates an environment where you know what fuck this and fuck them i'm gonna do yes. what i gotta do to get what <laughs> yes. i want yeah yeah you know so yeah I, I do understand that daniel's that probably that type of guy being that he didn't take a stance on anything but it also says a lot about you as a person you know yeah i still mm-hmm. love dc though like gentleman good 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 around dude but i yes. J- just wish that he would have would have spoken up. Maybe now, maybe now he can be he can be a, a, a loud voice and he can echo the the many angry sentiments that our fighters have and can be that voice. From, maybe. Yeah, I, I can I can see him uh, getting on his soapbox from the golf course, and um, <laughs> so many people. Yeah. You know, I I see you know those in Ferguson looking to, you know. Where's Daniel on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. I can see those in Kenosha, you know, looking out. Where is Daniel? I can see them basically <laughs> in New York. Yeah. What? You know, Harlem. Yeah. I, I, I see him being the new voice. Daniel X. <clears throat> More power to you. I was a little yeah. bit harsh. I'm not even going to front. I was <laughs> yeah. a little bit harsh with Daniel Cormier going off like that. But to be honest with you, it's like that situation with Jay-Z when he started to work with the NFL during the whole Colin Kaepernick situation. Everyone's like, oh, oh my God, you hate the black race. What are you doing, Jay-Z? And no one saw and no one knew exactly what Jay-Z's plan was, but they're already casting judgment. Maybe Daniel Cormier is doing what you said. Maybe he's playing the game right now. So then when he gets into a position of acclaim or he gets into a position to move the notches and maybe he takes over the UFC, we don't know what he might may or may not do. But maybe if that's in his favor, then he can actually do something like you said. So I, you, you know, could see the arc. You could see the arc of Jay Z, though. You could hear it in his lyrics. You could hear yes. it in his delivery. He said those words on wax, and lo and behold, he delivered in reality. He did. He did. But Daniel Cormier doesn't have that luxury. He's not a rapper. It's he doesn't get paid to say <laughs> what he like. He doesn't get paid to do that. He gets paid to fight. And I feel like that's a, an important point to prove, though, comparing yeah. like those two like completely different situations. But I do think that. If Daniel Cormier gets into a position to make change happens and he makes it happen, we can't. I got nothing to say. More power to him, and I'm I'm thinking that's what he's gonna do because I really do respect him as a human being. He's a he's a phenomenal person. Like he gives back in every way, shape, or form. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does. Next up, Chisanga. Actually, no. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I was like, you do me like that. How could you do this today? But anyway, I am here to put USADA on trial. Yo. Before I go any further, guys, just understand this. I understand they are cleaning up the sport. I understand anti-doping is important for the progression of the sport. And we need this. But USADA needs to be held accountable for their wrongs just as much as fighters are asked to be held accountable for their mishaps. I bring to you case study number one, <clears throat> Josh Barnett. Yep. Now, how many times has Josh Barnett failed a drug test? 
uh, I know it's at least twice in the UFC because obviously he failed yeah. it after he became yep. the youngest heavyweight champion, and then he was subsequently stripped. But then I can't. I think I think two in the UFC. I can't remember. But maybe three. I'm not too sure. I want to say three. I want to say three. I thought it was twice, definitely inside the UFC for sure. Uh, I believe it's three I think or four it's total. Three times. Exactly. That's my point. Three or four total. Let's just say for argument's sake, it's two times in the UFC. The first mm-hmm. time, he received basically a verbal reprimand for cheating. Basically a verbal reprimand. He didn't get nothing happen to him. It was either the first or the second time. Second time, they put him under suspension. He was like, all right, fine. I'm leaving the UFC. I'm going to Bellator so I can continue fighting. Blah, blah, blah. But first time offense, he got away with it. Fine. I give you case study number two. Vanderlei Silva. He's in Brazil getting ready to fight Shell Sonnen. And USADA comes up to him out of the blue. They don't have to show him credentials at this point because it was new and they did not have that in the law abiding bodies written in the people so that they had to show identification that they're USADA. So they come up to him saying, we are part of the United States anti-doping agency, whatever. Please submit your blood and your interest right now. We're going to this back closet and you'll do it. If I was Vanderlei Silva, I would say, fuck no, just like he did. I'd be like, I don't know you. I'm, I am in my country. I know what's up here. You think I'm going to let you stick me with a needle? I don't know if it's sanitized. You think I'm going to give you my urine and my blood like this and sign away my rights to you like that? You're out of your mind. What happened mm-hmm. to him? Lifetime ban. Lifetime ban. For That's him, insane. yes. Nothing happened to him. Case study number three. We're moving forward, baby. We, we, got, we got time. We got time. Noel <laughs> Romero. This man has been tainted with false claims for his entire career because you saw it. Irreputable damage. People will forever think he's a cheater because he failed one drug test. And mind you, he had to finance his defense himself. A lot of fighters, when they are contesting these results, they have to finance it themselves. That's what USADA doesn't tell you. So Yoel Romero got together that cheese and was able to prove his innocence, prove that it was a tainted supplement from a company that lied about what was in their contents, and then sued that company and made $30 million. He'll, he'll, never, he'll never get that money, though. Because that company's definitely going to bankrupt and try and move around finance so they never have to pay him that money. But why isn't USADA liable for the same thing that happened to his career and his identity based off of them labeling him a cheater and them firing the gun prematurely? Why is USADA not answering for them doing this? John Jones, people always want to say, I hate John Jones. Here's your opportunity for you to realize that I don't hate that man. His entire career <laughs> and his entire legacy is tainted now because they branded him a cheater. When they came back and later told us that it was trace amounts, the size yep. of a piece of salt cut into trillions of pieces, trace them out in his blood system, and it pulsed later on, which is actually something that's scientific that actually does happen. The people who are saying that he's a cheater and blah, 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 either didn't listen to the science or they just want to brand him as a cheater, period, point blank. Period, point blank. The science supports it. So how is it that those guys can have their entire image and legacy tarnished for life and you decide to not pay a dime for it? Yo, that's a very, very good question. Like, that's and, good. And, yeah. and, and, and I mean... It, 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 it's like you say, like you, you can accuse somebody of somebody can be accused of a, of a crime. They can be arrested for it. They can go to go on trial, but they can be exonerated. But they'll forever be tainted with that arrest or that or in this instance, that that failed drug test. And like, I, I like that you brought up the John Jones example, because, I mean, he's been exonerated twice by USADA. I, look, yep. and, and, and I mean, it's. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people with John, they just want to discredit all, all his body of work <laughs> because, um, yeah. well, because obviously long, long reign and dominant, dominant champion. But as, as it pertains to USADA, like I, I think that they, sh- they, should, they should be held liable and accountable for, um, for, for, these, uh, for these tests uh, well, well, or for the defamation and uh, yeah, for the defamation of people's character. 100% they should be because I don't, 
think well, I don't think it realized the the ramifications, not only the provisional suspension that you have until you get your hearing, until your hearing is concluded. I don't think they realize how big those ramifications are. And in the court of uh, a public opinion on, on social media, I, I mean, like, what's everybody going to remember? They're only going to remember the news flash that yep. oh, John Jones has, has popped rather than oh, John Jones was exonerated due to X, Y, and Z peer review study showing that he didn't intentionally take this amount. So they need they need to be held accountable a hundred percent. But I don't know if they ever will because obviously it's there's there's a lot of money that's needed to to go into in, into uh, drug funding, well drug testing. Sorry, but I don't think they have enough money to to pay out such such lawsuits. Because can you can you imagine how much they'd have to pay John Jones? So I think something needs to change, and I, I think the John Jones case made them realize that they were like, okay, we could potentially be be held liable be held accountable and, and receive lawsuits if if we don't do something and i think that's why they've changed certain thresholds for certain things so but yeah. that's the thing they can afford to pay these fighters back for what they've done to their reputation the ufc is what doing a doing a eight-figure deal with usada for what six years five years they are being paid to do these these drug testings they have the money mm -hmm. to do this they have the money to pay these people back a b what they also don't tell you is when you go in front of the law-abiding body whether it's the nevada state athletic commission whether it's the california athletics uh commission whatever you have to pay them for their time remember when john jones was contesting everything and at the end they're yeah. like all right did you bring the check the check for what me proving my innocence <laughs> why am i paying why does john jones have to pay y'all and it was not cheap it was like six figures it might have been seven figures actually it was either six or seven figures why really? on or, yes I, I remember watching the live stream on youtube i was like why on earth does john jones have to pay y'all because y'all messed up why 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 is that an issue and also let's not forget usada gave brock lesnar an exemption so he oh, didn't man. have to get tested yeah, yeah we're, oh we're giving out passes to people that oh just please don't cheat brock just please don't cheat we won't let you have to go through the testing pool so we can keep it a secret and then you go up out, out there and test positive for everything how you got everything in your system yeah. how you got everything <laughs> no come on spare me if anything right right remember mark hunt took the ufc uh, to court and i i, I, I yes. don't know what what the outcome of that was i think no i think I think uh, I don't think he won the case actually. No, he but lost. if anything, he should have he should have taken legal action against Usada. Look, I mean, they they are there to ensure fighter safety and to ensure that fighters aren't getting in there with uh, a juiced up gorilla. For like, if if you know what I mean, so somebody who has an unfair advantage against them, and uh, they're they're just lucky. Kids, can you imagine if Mark Hunt? If Brock Lesnar had like beat the brakes off Mark Hunt and then Mark Hunt had suffered like severe memory loss and severe CTE and like his his uh, cognitive function <laughs> went down, can you imagine what would like what would have happened? Oh man, it that, that that's probably one of the most egregious things that has happened in recent UFC history. That it just that to this day still irks me. The fact mm -hmm. that they they gave him a, an exemption and allowed him to not be in the testing pool for six months. It's nuts. Didn't they also mess up Nick Diaz's career with the marijuana or something uh, like that? That was the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Oh, excuse me. But what? No, no. So, well, was was USADA in twenty? When in twenty fifteen did the UFC sign with USADA? It was definitely twenty fifteen, and I know mm. Anderson and Nick was. That was the first pay per view of the year. That was in January twenty fifteen. So I don't know if the deal was was active was set, then. Yeah. yeah. 
No, I definitely can think I they be should the... be held accountable, most definitely. But how do you hold them accountable, though, Out, outside of lawsuits and stuff? Like, what, what it, like, I hear what y'all are saying, but what's the solution, though? Like, how do you do it? Hire another anti-doping agency. If they can't oh, pay, damn. They, we got, we got can options. I be, can I be the dissenting voice here? Oh, Lord. This ain't gonna happen. <laughs> I'll tell you why. <laughs> there is a ruling law, and this is how barristers actually assess cases, because I had a barrister friend, and it always starts with this. If but for. If but for Nandrolone in your system, would we be here having this conversation? If but for testosterone in your system, would we be having this conversation? How did Nandrolone, how did testosterone get in your system? Whose job was it to detect Nandrolone, testosterone? USADA are doing their job. They're doing it to the letter and they are delivering. They are over-delivering. And I feel that we have come from the wild, wild west where... People were getting exemptions for all types of shit. But now we have a regime which, you know, to a certain extent is ruled by fear. Fear of being caught out. Fear of mm-hmm. being uh, involved in a tainted supplement that is making people be on their P's and Q's. I, for one, can't say that's a bad thing. But going back to the job of USADA, the job of USADA is to ensure that drug cheats get caught and those who inadvertently have tainted supplements yes do get caught up in that but i take you back to my previous supposition if but for testosterone they wouldn't be having this conversation whose idea was it to have that supplement take that supplement drink that supplement buy that supplement oh it was yours then you are culpable you are responsible it is your job to ensure that what you're ingesting is not tainted not ours our job is to catch drug cheats okay now mm-hmm. let's be realistic though you're you're living in the black and white world let's let's go into the gray zone real quick you, you're being very black and white here but i respect you you know but here's the gray area these people mm-hmm. have re- these people have lives these people have lives and human error is a reality of life the people who make these these what do you call them uh compounds whatever elements whatever mm-hmm. whatever these things Sometimes they don't include what is actually inside of there. Sometimes when they're making it in China and they're making it in separate vats to bring it over here to the United States, they might have made an original compound in there that wasn't your product, then didn't clean out the vats, then combine that compound with what was previously in there, and then that's how you got tainted. But yet you prove that in court, somehow you're still the enemy and you still get suspended, or the fact that you have to use psoriasis cream and you still get banned two years for that, or the fact that you need uh, TRT because you're trying to start a family with your fam, uh, wife because you're, what, 35, 40 years of age and that ha- is a natural decline for men, but somehow you're going to get penalized for that? There's got to be a line drawn in the sand. We get it, okay? Certain things you shouldn't be able to take, all right? We get it. You shouldn't be able mm-hmm. to take, um, you shouldn't be able to blood dope. You shouldn't be able to take uh, any type of anabolic steroids, but come on, man. If I'm trying to just start a family with my wife, you're trying to really penalize me for that? For real? Vitor yeah. gets a lot of hate for the TRT talk, but guess what? He medically needed it. Chael Sonnen gets a lot of it for him failing his drug test after he fought Son- uh, uh, Silva. He medically 
needed it. Yeah, I think TRT should be allowed. Remember okay, when they okay. had exemptions? I was yeah, cool with yeah, that. Yeah, I do. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> We're going down it. We're going down What are we saying here? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> what are we saying here? Hang on. Some hang drugs are allowed and yes. some aren't. No, 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 no. You know what this reminds me of? You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Animal Farm. All animals are created, but some are no, more equal yeah. than than others. I now, think the older ones need a boost. Exactly the same. I don't mind. No, no. With, 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 uh, <laughs> this is madness. With, with, regard, with regards to Vitor Belfort, um, <laughs> come on, guys. Let's look at Vitor Belfort when he made his UFC debut. Was he 19 years old? Are you telling yes. you telling me he looked that, like a motherfucking brick, yo? I was, uh, okay, yes, <laughs> yo, that yes. shit was okay. wild. That yeah, that that that's 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 what I'm uh, what I'm alluding to, and it just seems to me that well, obviously he obviously I I'll, I'll go on record and say I don't think that he was a hundred percent clean. I don't know what it what necessarily he was taking. I I I can't hazard a guess or what have you, but it seemed to me. It seems to me that the chickens came home to roost during the later part of his career, if if you know what I mean, in terms of his testosterone production. Came home to yeah, roost. it seems as if, so. Like, I, I, it, it doesn't sit well with me that he was allowed to use TRT. Yeah, as well, like because it's it's quite clearly evident that he. He, well, he, he needed TRT because there might have been some abuse of, uh, of anabolic steroids to, to begin with. So it's a very, it's a very, very gray area. Like, and I, it's I get not what gray. Ca- come on, no, no, no. Ca- <laughs> ca- come on, Chisanga. Let's just call it as it is. We know that the reason why you need that supplement because you have abused drugs yeah. in the past. It's just cut and dry, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. You don't really have to be a scientist to actually work that out. So let's just, you know, stop tippy-toeing around the fact that this is what was happening in Vitor Beltor's um, case. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, th- there are those who, unfortunately, uh, I think it's a very small percentage of men whose testosterone drastically decreases quicker than uh, th- than their than their counterparts. So that's why I was trying to tiptoe around it and just say, just 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 for them, if if you know what I mean. But yeah, as it pertains to to Belfort, yes, uh, I'll just I'll just say again, it seemed that the chickens came home to to roost because, <laughs> I mean. You see how big he was when he when he fought Vanderlei Silva, Jesus Christ, man, and 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 how fast he was as well. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like I mean, if, yeah, well, I, I was about to say, okay, let's com- let's compare, right? Uh, Paulo Costa now or Vito Belfort then? Like who who do you, like who who's got the better physique? That that's the best way I'm putting it. I'm I'm just leaving it there. Or who has the more astounding physique for mixed martial arts competition? Vitor. Vitor looked phenomenal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredibly jacked. Yeah. Unnaturally so. Allegedly. Allegedly. He okay. Was, uh, he, w- he was doing something to enhance the way that he looked. Allegedly. Here's my question, though. Here's my question. We, I'm glad you brought up Paulo Costa. Every two seconds, people are accusing him of cheating. They're like, we know he's on something. We know Paulo. And it's true. He did get a suspension for using an IV. And people say you use IVs yeah. to dilute contents in your bloodstream. Whatever. Whatever the case. But we did not find steroids on him. It was just he was using an IV and he got that suspension. Now, either USADA is doing their job or they aren't. Is he cheating or is he not? We can't have it where this guy's cheating. Thank goodness Usada's in here so John can't have any more of these wins, but he's still winning. And So which one can John still be cheating or is he not cheating? Like, you guys can't continue to move the goalposts based off of the people. It's either Usada's sitting here and yeah. making sure no one's cheating 
or mm. everyone's cheating and USADA is basically doing nothing about it. It's not one or the other. Yeah, and like I mean, I'm I'm, I'm in no way saying Paulo Costa is taking anything or, or or what have you, but generally, like it, the the ones who are probably cheating or or maybe even the the fighters who are the richer fighters, the ones who can afford the designer drugs, the ones that are years ahead of the the detection. Like well, there's a there's a reason why they freeze your freeze your piss and freeze your blood for seven years. So then when the testing catches up, they can say, okay, hold up. So you had traces of this compound which we weren't even familiar with <laughs> back then. It, you had traces of that in your system, and we're gonna we're gonna strip you of whatever. They did that in the Olympics with uh, with Russians. I can't remember in what in what uh, in what sport it was, but yeah, I think it was maybe last year or maybe the year before that they'd found out. I can't remember which Olympics it was, but they they'd obviously frozen their um, their their samples and what have you, and then they tested positive for the they came back for traces of this supplement that or a compound that wasn't even around back then. So, but yeah, as it as it pertains to USADA, like sometimes I think they are doing their job, and then sometimes I I, I don't think they are. It's and. Like I get that it's a global pandemic and and what have you right now, but but to not test anybody from like in Brazil and like <laughs> and, like performance enhancing drugs are are a part of Brazilian culture, just like with with uh, with fitness and and, and and sport as well. Like, and I'm I'm not saying like oh it's a stereotype all guys in Brazil take performance enhancing drugs or what have you, but I think just to not test somebody, especially. Especially a fighter in, in Paulo Costa who's going to be challenging for a world title to not have tested him right now is just it's it, it, it's beyond me. It's it beggars belief. As you have the mic still, Chisanga, do you want to jump in with uh, what you're bringing to the ta- table this week? Yes. And speaking of Usada, last week I spoke to a fighter who was very vocal before he walked away from the sport for a four-year hiatus about how he wanted stringent drug testing mm-hmm. implemented to mixed martial arts. And I, I, for one, feel that maybe USADA wouldn't be around if it wasn't for the stance that he took. The fighter, of course, I'm talking about is the one and only George St. Pierre. And now George St. Pierre and I, we talked about this new online fitness class that he's, uh, he, he's running called Strike. It's something that has come about in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. But, of course, we also talked about his his future, his retirement for mixed martial arts and a potential legacy fight with Habib Nurmagomedov. George, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Thank you. Yourself? I'm well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. Just uh, still trying to get to grips with this global lockdown, which is slightly beginning to ease in the UK. But, uh, yeah. Still trying to get to grips with it. So, how have the last five months um, and lockdown in uh, in Canada been for yourself and been for your family? Well, everybody is safe and healthy, and um, yeah, I, I cannot complain. There's people that are way way less um, um, organized and have much less uh, resources than I do. So I, I don't. I have the right to complain. I'm, I'm just happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. That's good. And today we're, we're here to talk about your involvement with uh, TV, uh, TV.fit, in particular their strike class. But uh, I wanted to ask you about your own training because the global pandemic has, has clo- uh, led to the closure of many gyms ac- across, the, across the globe. 
how has the lockdown and the closures of gyms affected your own personal training routine? Because I know you, you'd like to train year round. You don't like to take extended breaks. Yeah. Um, I train a year around and, and now, uh, it's illegal because you can't train with social distancing martial art, you know, so it's impossible. So what I do is I, I find ways, uh, with, cre with creativity, to develop uh, a training that is uh, that would be uh, more resembling of what I do normally. Mm -hmm. Okay, I see. And um, like yourself, many people around the world have had their ability to train safely taken away from them because of this pandemic, and now are relying on online classes and uh, online programs to stay in shape, which brings me to your involvement with TV.fit and the strike class. Um, how did you get involved with this project? Yeah, the, the um, what I like about this pro project and how I got involved is is exactly it's it's perfectly su suited for this situation that we're facing now. Um, you have to keep social distancing, and what what the program uh, strike is about is a, a, a certain replica of all the the training that I do in uh, my mixed martial art journey. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you can do it yourself uh, at home. You don't need any partners, and it's uh, it's also it keep you fit and it teach you how to fight as well. Okay, and has helping and inspiring people get fit and to reach their potential has that been something that you've always been interested in? I think I, I uh, for me it's important to use my platform in a way to use people. And the best way I can use people because of my credential is to uh, teach them how to teach them about fitness, uh, keep them fit, my my keep my audience fit, and also teach them how to fight. And that's what my program on TV.fit is about. Uh, my the program strike. Mm -hmm. And can you uh, tell tell us a little bit more about the the strike class? So I'm assuming, as you said, it incorporates fitness drills and and boxing and maybe some kickboxing drills what else does it encompass it, it, it incorporate all, also a lot of uh, fitness exercise and also uh, ground uh, work uh, exercise that that are uh, a replica of a certain move that we use uh, on the ground uh, when when you're fighting in a mixed martial art competition okay that's that, that's that's pretty unique and I, I'm pretty sure it's the first that, that I've heard of it, like uh, uh, a mixed martial arts uh, on, online class that includes uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. So that's that's very good for, especially for people that might be a bit reluctant to set foot in, in martial arts gyms because a lot of people might be a bit intimidated or, or yeah, a bit scared to set foot into a martial arts gym. Do you think something like this will be a, a good gateway for them to get their confidence before setting foot in a gym if they're interested? Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's a pretty unique uh, program, and um, it's a it's a mix of uh, you know. Sometimes when you work out, you just want to push yourself, but this is a di little bit different because I you you're not you don't. It's also a brain exercise in a way that you have to push yourself, but you have to think about your form. You know, to respect your form, keep your hands mm -hmm. up. For example, the, there's different details. 
that you need to keep in mind in order to 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 do the workout well. And I explain all that during the workout uh, because it's it's mixed martial art uh, workout. It's not only a fitness workout. It's not only about pushing hard. It's about efficiency. And I teach my uh, audience how to be more efficient. And if you're more efficient, you become uh, a better athlete, a better fighter. And that's what it's about as well. So, and, and has this class made you all think about maybe getting into coaching? I know it's not, um, it, it's not the same as coaching in, in general, but has it made you think about it at all? Well, I think it's even better because when you're coaching, you're limited of how much people you can have in the room mm -hmm. and interact with them. With this program, I can coach the entire planet because it's <laughs> worldwide. I can have access to all my a bigger audience, and that's what I love about it. And given the the global coronavirus pandemic and uh, a lot of people's fears about going back to the gym, do you think that a product like TV Fit and Strike could be the future of fitness? Absolutely, um, especially with the, the the global crisis, and also. Sometimes, even if things goes back to normal, sometimes you, you, you want to stay home mm -hmm. and you want to have a quick workout. Maybe you don't have time to do a, to go to the gym or maybe they, there's traffic or, or there is different uh, obstacle that, that made you want to stay home and you can use TV.fit, the, 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 the program, uh, strike and, uh, to learn mixed martial art and to stay fit as well. Okay. And uh, moving moving on to yourself and how you how you've been keeping over the the last eighteen months since you uh, since you retired, how has life been for you since you officially announced your retirement from mixed martial arts? Well, uh, things I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm, I'm you know I'm working on many different projects as well. Um, so. You know, I, I'm more busy than I ever been, and uh, I always gonna stay healthy. It's, it's part of who I am. And you you say that you're uh, you're more busier than than you've ever been. Um, has having all the side projects that you talked about um, has that made making the transition from full time fighter to normal life a bit easier? Because a lot of fighters find it very difficult once they hang up their gloves to go back to a, a normal life. I don't think my life will ever be normal. Uh, I uh, normal is is depend what you define by normal. If you if you work in a office, you do a nine to five. Uh, you know it, it, this is normal for a, a someone who works in an office. Mm -hmm. um, maybe my my life is not normal in a way that I I don't do nine to five. I have my own schedule. I have, my, I have, I am my own boss. Of course, I do have responsibilities, but the reason I love what I do is because of the freedom that it gives me, mm -hmm. and that's why I was fighting in the first place. I was fighting not because I love to fight. I never liked to compete and fight. I, I did it because I wanted to acquire the freedom that I have right now, and that as a, had a, a I paid a price for that. And and I'm happy it turns out well, but um, yeah, my life will never be normal, and I'm and I'm happy and healthy. That's that's what matters for me, and and I can work on project that I want to work. And for me, this as this this has no price, and I'm very happy to the, all the brand that I'm associate with is because I'm I willingly 
wanted to be associated with because I mm-hmm. thought it was a good idea and I believe in it. It's not only because of the money and this and that, you know, like it was before. Before I need all athletes when they they started, they they do things sometimes because of money and stuff. But now I I feel very privileged and happy to be able to have that that opportunity in my life to be to have the freedom and to do what I wanted to do with who I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And now that you've had some time to officially reflect on your well, your official retirement from mixed martial arts. How do you look back on your career and, and what you've achieved? Um, I'm very happy because I, I always wanted to be champion in in mix in mixed martial art when I started to compete. It was an obsession for me. I achieved it. I, I also wanted to be a good role model uh, for the youth. And I try my best to, to, to stay authentic of who I am and to be a good role model as well. And those things makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. And now prior to you announcing your, your retirement in uh, not last February, the, the previous February, you made it known that you were interested in, in going for one more belt and dropping down to 155 pounds and uh, fighting Khabib Nurmagomedov. Now, obviously, that fight didn't come to fruition, but Habib recently, over the last few months, he's he's still expressed an interest in fighting you should he get past Justin Gaethje. Does that at all tempt you to to just to call for us and John Danaher and just say, let's do this one last time and try create history? Well, m- more than two, two years ago, I wanted to do it. We tried when I took my retirement. I think it's two years or more, a little bit more than two years ago. We try, but in business, when you make an offer, the offer is is now. You can't come back after two years and say, "Hey, finally, the offer you made me that I refused. Now I'm gonna take it." It doesn't mm-hmm. work like that, because now things that I have move on, things has changed. Um, UFC have have not made me an offer yet, and I, I'm I'm waiting. I, I I can't stop my life. Uh, in in case that opportunity happen, so I live my life. I I live. I, I work on my project, and if this opportunity comes, I'm gonna have to reevaluate it and see if I still want to do it or not. Because mm-hmm. now I, I I didn't put my life on pause since last time we I tried to make the fight happen, and now I'm 39 years old, and you know we'll see. I, I I'm not sure what's gonna happen, um, but so far I. I you know, I think Khabib is gonna fight just Justin Gaethje, and mm-hmm. we'll see what's gonna happen. And uh, moving on to that fight, um, how do you think that fight is gonna play out? Because many people believe that it's gonna be arguably the toughest test of Khabib's career. Well, style makes fight. It's a very interesting contrast of style. You know, um, I I I have Khabib as a favor. For, for that fight. I believe Khabib is the best fighter right now. Uh, he's the best active fighter in the world right now. Mm-hmm. He's, the, he's the best one right now. And, and probably he's, he's in the GOAT contention as well. And with this win, he's going to solidify his uh, status as a, you know, as a GOAT, uh, I believe. You know? Even if the GOAT discussion, it's like a Fugazi. It, it doesn't, you know, there there's no... It's like disgusting uh, the, the 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 possibility of how Batman will beat Superman and things like that. <laughs> it's it's a, it's an illusion because yeah. when you fight someone, 
you never fight the same fighter twice because a fight leaves a scar, which is physical or mental. It can make you more confident, can increase your, your, your level, or it can decrease it. So I don't know what to think about it. It's going to be an interesting fight. And of course, as a fan, I, I'm looking forward to watch it. Okay, and you, 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 you raised an interesting point there, which I was going to ask you. It, it seems that, especially in mixed martial arts, that the debate of greatest of all time continues to rage on, oh, and the chops and it changes a lot. But many people rank you at, at the top of the list. Is this something that you pay attention to? All I, 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 I kind of get the idea that you don't because you also said just there that the, uh, the GOAT concept is somewhat fugazi. Well, it, it's very... Um appealing for me to, to to say yes but the truth is to be honest with you the fighters of of today generally are better than the fighters of yesterday and the fighters of tomorrow will be better than the fighters of today the, the record as as are made to be broken and it's not because the person are better it's because the technology is better I remember right. when I used to train at when I first learned Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I needed to be uh, physically present in the class to learn the technique. I needed to be there physically to learn it. Now, just for example, with the TV.fit or to, with other ways, you can learn a technique via YouTube, via yeah. the social media. So you can increase your knowledge without being physically there. And this is something that wasn't possible when I was young. I mean, it was possible, but it was not done. So that's just one of the reasons why the, the athlete has better results. The performances are better, but the person are not necessarily better. And that's what I believe the, 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 the record are made to be broken because of the technology. The technology made the performance better. Mm -hmm. And go, going back to the, the, the potential Habib Nurmagomedov fight, like I, I, I know you wanted that before you hung up your gloves. And considering how close it, it potentially is, will you be, would you be satisfied with your career if you didn't, have, if you didn't take the opportunity to, to become a three-weight world champion? Um, yeah, I, 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 I am satisfied. Um, but I always be a competitor, you know, like, like even now I'm watching the fight sometime, I'm like, man, maybe I can go back and beat these guys. And, but that, you know, I, 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 it's, it's like a wave. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like I want to do it. Sometimes I, I go home and I'm like, what the, what I'm talking about, like this <laughs> nonsense, I'm not going to go back and fight You know, it's so stressful because I never really liked to fight. I like to win. I like to, to, the, the to achieve the achievement but in order to achieve to you know the bigger the risk bigger bigger the risk bigger bigger the, the big bigger the reward mm -hmm. and you need it's a very tough game and not only physically it's on the mental side it's a lot of stress and i don't know if i'm i will have to re-evaluate re the situation I, I was ready to do it two years ago but now i UFC have not come back to me. I, I, I don't believe they will because I believe they have maybe other agenda. Uh, to other people, they want Khabib to fight before me. 
I think I will be really the last, uh, the last person on the list who they would like to fight. I mean, they they would rather, I'm sure, have Connor or someone else mm -hmm. to keep the ball rolling in the organization. And I understand that on a business standpoint. Okay, and in May you were. I'm, well, in, in my opinion, you were belatedly inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Can you tell me what that feeling was like when when the announcement was made and you, you got told that you're being in, inducted into the Hall of Fame? Why, it's, it's an amazing honor uh, for me to, to be at the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's, a, it's a recap of my, of my career and... and you know, it's a, it's a great, the greatest honor an athlete can have once he retired. And uh, if if you don't mind me asking, I, I, I was just wondering if I could get your opinion on the current state of the welterweight division. Because over here in England, we have a guy in Leon Edwards who's very, very close to a title shot. What's your thoughts on Leon as a contender for the welterweight title? Yeah, I would like to see. I'm a big fan of uh, Leon Edwards. He's a very good fighter. I would like him to see fight uh, Jorge Masvidal. I think they had a, a grudge with each other, and I, I think it will make a good fight because the, the fight, the promotion are driven by emotion, mm -hmm. but the fight itself is won by mundane things that people do every days of their life. So it will be an interesting fight. I re uh, as a fan, I, I wish he would get that fight. Okay, George, that's the final question for me. Thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on, on the new endeavor. And if we see you back in the cage, we look forward to it. Thank you very much. Take care. George St. Pierre talking about his legacy, talking about a potential fight with Habib Nurmagomedov. Guys, what's your thoughts on George? And in particular, the fact that he said that he's not going to hang around and wait for the UFC to potentially offer him the chance to create history and become a three-weight world champion. Romanticized Mike would love for George to come back, but I think I said it before. Geriatric St. Pierre just oh is not God. appealing to me in terms of what he could do in 2021, because that's when effectively he would come back. I don't think it would be the speedy uh, George St. Pierre that we know, the, the, the slick and the um, gifted George St. Pierre that we kind of um, appreciated back in the day. So I don't know if I'd want to see that. To be honest with you, I love the fact that he rode off into the sunset with that belt. I love the fact that mm -hmm. his legacy has been solidified in that he's gone out on a win and i love the fact that when people talk about george saint pierre they're saying it in a positive light let's not have a performance that tarnishes that let's not have something which gives us cause to question whether you know he should be in the goat um conversation let's leave it as it is yeah, fuck all that. He ain't no goat anyway, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, oh we don't God. need him chasing a 155. We forget that this man, George Sapia, yes, he did a lot to bring in USADA, and he was also talking about WADA or VADA, whichever it was. Two other organizations that we could replace USADA with, by the way. Anyway, I rest my case. This man, he has ruined the 185-pound division. He set them back how many years with what he did? That stunt that he pulled. He told us to our face, bold face, 
I will defend the belt when I win it. How many times did he say it? How many times did he say it? He said it at least five he times. Say that, yeah. He said it's literally in the contract for me to defend this belt when I win it. And you want to know why he went up there to fight for the 185 title? Because he knew he could win that fight. He didn't go down to 170. I wonder why. Who was down there at the time? And who was in their prime? 2017. It would have been Woodley. It was Woodley. And he, he was like, oh, Michael Bisping is a bigger challenge than Tyron Woodley. Really? <laughs> Last time I checked, you submitted him in like two <laughs> rounds. <laughs> that, that was just me, though. I, I could be wrong. You know, it didn't look too competitive. It looked like you were doing your dang thing in there. But that, my point is this. Stop letting George St. Pierre set back divisions. He did it with 185. He will damn sure do it with 155. He ain't defending no 155 strap. He'll win and then relinquish the title. I'm not trying to see that bullshit. I need to see 155 go forward. <laughs> okay. Thank you. But, but right, we, t- we talk about the potential Khabib-George uh, fight for the 155-pound title. Khabib could potentially ride off into the sunset anyway, if you know what I mean. So... Do, does, do you still have a problem with George fighting fighting for the title? Yeah, I do. Fuck both of them. You want to ride off into the sunset? Do it alone. We don't need y'all fucking up two divisions. No, <laughs> no, we don't need. If Khabib wants to retire after two or three fights, let him retire. You don't need to fight Georgeson. Keep fighting off contenders and prove why you're the goal of 155. We don't need you beat. What What does a win at 155 do for Habib over GSP? GSP's not a 155er. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, no. If if he wants, if Habib wants to go up to 170. Then that's his prerogative. And fight Usman or whatever, fine. Fight someone who's active. Fight someone who has a belt. But do not, do not continue to do this 155. There's a reason why no one ever gets past three defenses in that division. Okay, G, I want to hear your thoughts on this before I propose a hypothetical situation to Kairos. Um, I am a combination of Michael and Kairos. I don't want to see the shit. Like, I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm good. Um, I think this legacy fight is kind of cheap because of what Cairo said. It's it's not even at his natural weight class. It doesn't even make sense. And also, it's also because of what Michael said. Are we not acting like Father Time is not going to creep up on this man? Mm. And just because he stays in shape doesn't mean he's the GSP we knew and loved. Just because he's still in the gym, like. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I think, and I also think this: Khabib steamrolls him. No, I do. No. I don't. I think don't it, believe. I, I don't agree with that. I think Khabib <laughs> nah. beats him. I think Khabib <laughs> beats him. And but here's the thing: regardless of whether who wins, I don't want to see it. GSP is not in his prime. Mm. He's great. He's in shape. Not in his prime. He is getting older. And by the time we see him fight, if we do do this, he'll be even older from when I'm even speaking right now about Preach. his age. You know what mm. I mean? Mm. Like. No, he's old. And Amen. secondly, it doesn't prove nothing. It's mm-hmm. not his natural weight class. This just seems like a cheap way for Khabib to be like, I'm the best because I beat somebody everybody <laughs> liked. I don't want to see it. But at the same time, though, like there are those those special special athletes who who defy farther time. Michael, obviously, you're uh, you're based in England. You know about football. Ryan Giggs, he kept playing until he was 40, I believe, for Manchester United. And I know fuck all po- about football. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard, I've heard, the only gigs I know is talking the artists. Talking the artists. Sure, I mean, Yo Romero is a perfect example. Exactly. There, there are those athletes who can defy father time. And, like, obviously, I know a lot of people, Kairos included, thinks that the the, the Michael Bisping fight was, was tailor-made and perfect for George. It was. Let's not forget, though... Okay, be that as it may, I, 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 don't, I, I don't agree with that notion. But let's not forget the man had a near four-year layoff and he came back and he fought a, a world-class fighter and he came back and he beat him. So I think, I, I think for me, that's, 
that's why I'm, I'm I'm still interested. I'm still interested to see that can he come back and do it again, and is he one of these special athletes that can defy father time and like and I, and I mean, how old was Randy Couture when he when he when he finally hung it up or? Well, of, was it? Uh, yeah, it was after uh, it was after Leo kicked his his tooth yeah, out. Yeah, he had you? to learn. <laughs> but he was still looking. He was still looking good in 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 the in the later part of his career. I'm 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 not trying to get too too deep into his career because I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, give it a shot. Okay, now let me go back to what Kairos <laughs> was saying. Let me propose this hypothetical situation. Hypothetically, right. The UFC introduced a 165-pound weight class. I think that weight class is going to come eventually. I know Dana White has been saying, yeah, it's not going to happen, blah, 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 blah. I think it's eventually it's, it's going to happen. Would you, have, would you take issue with the UFC booking a fight between Habib and George St. Pierre for a vacant 165-pound title? Yes. It wouldn't slow, it wouldn't slow down the division, not, not in any way, shape, or form. Habib would have the opportunity to become a two-weight world champion, for, uh, further solidify his legacy, and George a three-weight world champion. I'd have a serious problem with it because I'm coming from the position that George St. Pierre is going to wipe the floor of Habib. Y'all really do think this man is Jesus. Exactly. Yeah, Y'all I, really I, do think this man is Jesus, and that's not, it's not going down like that. I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. Habib is going to get shut down because he's not going to be able to take him down, and he's going to be forced to strike with George for 25 minutes. Now, is he going to finish Habib? I don't know. But I guarantee you this, it isn't what y'all think it's going to be. So then George now has a title for a division that's relatively new, which, by the way, he's dropping now. It's going to be just like with Nico Montano when she won the inaugural 125 belt. She <laughs> immediately, immediately couldn't defend it for six months. So then she comes back to fight Val. <laughs> oh, I can't fight now. Oh, okay, well, now the division had to sit back and wait for an I forget who did it. Someone tweeted out, I don't understand the hate for Nico Montano. She single-handedly almost sunk 125 before it even got started. That's why people yeah. hate her. So y'all better miss me with this new divisions and letting fighters fight in it when they aren't going to stay in the division. No. I agree. Kairos, you won the money today. I feel like oh. that's why I'm so quiet today. I don't have shit to say. I did my right. crack today. I had crack today. Yeah. You know I'm on one. <laughs> right, guys. Totally I don't know if you've seen this, uh, this breaking news talking of USADA. Um, John Morgan just tweeted that Alexander Doskalchuk, I, I butchered his name. Let me let me try this again. Alexander oh. Doskalchuk, that's a better uh, better attempt of it, has received a 14-month suspension from USADA. Despite showing evidence, he told the doctor to ensure he wasn't taking a bad mm -hmm. substance, but was oh. given one anyway. Mm -hmm. What you got to say now, uh, Mike? Come out of the same. black and white. What you got to say? Oh, okay, let me let me okay, let me read exactly the, the same. Let me read. Oh, let, let, let changed. Me, Okay, let me let me read the part that you saw the statement. During an investigation into the circumstances of the case, Doskalchuk, sorry, I keep fucking up his name, provided evidence that a physician incorrectly prescribed him a prohibited medication containing mestalone, despite the fact Doskalchuk, sorry, my God, my pronunciation's bad, sent him the UFC wallet card and requested treatment permitted under the rules. As such, USADA determined that Doskalchuk's degree of fault was diminished and that he re should receive a reduced period of ineligibility. Mike, the doctor's done fucked up here. Oh, 100%. I, I mean, yeah, the doctor's yeah. done fucked yeah. up here. And, and I think, you know, USADA were very lenient considering yeah. the circumstances. It was still, regardless 
of who fucked up here was still on him. He has to own it. That's it was harsh, in his man. body. Man, fuck it was all in that. his body. He ain't gotta own that shit. When you you went to a professional, <laughs> he literally yeah. went to a person who it's their job to help him, <laughs> and they failed him. How was and, that on him? <laughs> yeah. You know like, what keeps playing in my mind in all of this? I was a hall monitor. I was employed to do a job and i did it to the letter no one could tell me shit i was there to ensure that 100 percent of the time if you are getting out of line i'm going to keep you in line and that's what you saw to do so getting back to the whole monitor analogy here look i'm gonna say this this one time if you fuck up again then the penalty is going to be harsher but i'm going to still give you a penalty your name is still going in the book. I'm still going to put this to Mr. Roberts that you were out of class when you shouldn't have been. But there but are mitigating I... circumstances, so you're going to have a diminished punishment. Oh, Mike, these are okay. far, far uh, you know, more I'm than gra- mitigating I'm glad you circumstances. Said that. I'm, I want to talk. I have so much respect for you for standing your ground, sir. I respect you so much. But here is reality, okay? <laughs> what if you, uh, you... Let's say you want to put together an article. Let's say you, you want to write in the newspaper about us, an individual. Nothing sports-related. It's like yeah. celebrity-related. Mm. And you go and contact a libel expert, like a lawyer, and they tell you, listen... This article that you wrote is perfect. You can put this out. You will not be liable for suit. You'll be okay. You can put this out. It's okay. No defamation, mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. All right. You got an expert from that lawyer. You put out that paper. You get sued immediately. Fine for everything you own. Lose your house and you get arrested. What then? Whose fault is it? And is that okay? If I'm not you mistaken, sh- if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that is what happens. Your name is on that byline. Your name oh, is actually yeah. owning the article. That is what happens. So, yes, that is a fantastic. Thank you, Kyra. No, that no, is that is not your fault. To bring before the judge because, damn it, that you, you, you've nailed it right there. You got legal representation to tell you it was mm. okay. It is their job to advise you correctly. Yes. And they yes, did it wrong. Yeah. That would be a... Mi- name is on the byline. Is it, is it my legal represent- representative? No, it's mine. I'm going Listen, down. I don't know how fucked up you guys' court system is, but I doubt it's as fucked <laughs> nah, up as ours. Nah, okay, so but I'll, I guarantee I'll, you I'll, this. I'll, I guarantee you this. That shit wouldn't even fly in the United States of America. We got some fucked up courts, but we wouldn't even <laughs> let that shit fly. Yeah, I'll... So yeah, so yeah, you you raise that example. So anytime there's a, I, I write an article where we're talking about drug testing or, or 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 anything potentially defamatory, the process is we always send it to the lawyer. We always send it to the lawyer, and the lawyer will give us the the all clear or tell us you need to amend this and you need to put something at the end. You need to post facing. For example, we're talking about a drug test fighter x has never failed a drug test blah 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 but if the fighters team took umbrage of what i'd written they'd come at me yes but but the thing is the bird like i i did everything i did my due due diligence i did everything correctly and then i forwarded it on to an expert who then gave me the all clear so you would hope that my company would would uh, would defend me and would then say okay it was ex-lawyer blah 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 and they will be reprimanded or, or you'd hope the company would absorb the uh the, the fees that i'd have to pay for it but whether that would actually happen i don't know put it this way it's funny you should mention that i, I know this is kind of like veering off at a tangent but again just to nail this down and to just show kairos that he has oh, given God. me some wonderful evidence here that's what's actually <laughs> happening in the oh, uk God. right now there's a very famous reporter 
um, works for a national newspaper. It's a very, very prominent uh, national newspaper who is being hauled through the courts by um, a businessman over in this country because she basically posted something um, as an article, fact-checked it, had it like rinsed through by her legal team, but it's her name on the byline. So she's actually crowdfunding right now because you know she's um at risk of losing her house because the legal bills are racking up and her publication whilst they may be backing her in thoughts and spirits and thanks and praise they're not backing her financially hence the reason why she's got to crowdfund yeah that's that's bad that's very bad that doesn't make it right that doesn't make it right yep that don't make it right Hold people accountable. Hold hold the lawyer <laughs> accountable. Hold USADA accountable. Hold the doctor accountable. Hold everybody accountable but that person who went and asked. Kairos, before you go, I've seen uh, yesterday some, some amazing fight news for you. Your, uh, your boy Jorge Masvidal is in the works <laughs> to fight Nate Diaz. What's your thoughts? I, j- I just want to get your thoughts before we left. I told y'all after he took that short notice fight with Kamar Usman, I would never, ever speak ill of this man again. Because he proved mm. he can answer the bell, even though he was training yep. for Usman for that period of time. So it wasn't like he was missing out. It wasn't like he stopped training. But you know what? Let's just continue praising him. But anyway, here's my issue. Okay. You guys shouldn't be surprised. He told Nate he was going to give him the rematch. He's mm-hmm. no longer in title contention anyway. He just had his shot. He's looking to make some money because obviously he's he doesn't have the belt, so he's not going to make that much substantial money. I don't know what his rate is as a fighter when he's not fighting in championship fights, but that's going to give him some money, and who knows? Maybe he'll win over Nate, then he takes... Uh, I don't know who he'd take after that, but I'm just... I'm not going to harp over him doing what's best for his financial future right now. Like He had his shot. He blew it. Let him do what he wants. Well, that brings to a close another Shots Fired. I do love these episodes. I just love the frank exchange and I love the way that we can just, you know, speak our minds. Until next week, enjoy the Separate the weak from the opsa. Leap hard to creep the Brooklyn street. It's on again. Stop all that bickering beat. Beat.